Hey guys, it's Kat, and it's time for yet another episode of the True Tea Call-In Show. I am so excited to play these calls for you guys because we had a really, really good call-in show, and I wanted to thank everyone who called in, and especially those of you guys who tune in every single week to get your fill of True Tea. Now, this topic for this week was about lesbian bars and whether or not transgender women are responsible for their closure. This was a conversation that was inspired by a YouTube comment that I got from somebody living in New York who claimed that there is an underground of cis lesbian women who are so overwhelmed by transgender women, specifically those with penises. This is what was <laughs> clarified in the comments um, that they have turned to having underground meetings with each other. Now, as you guys know, because I tend to mention it quite frequently, I am not a lesbian. <laughs> So I can only really speak in ignorance. You know, obviously I have opinions. And one of the reasons why I made um, this particular podcast was because I was constantly being asked to share my opinion about this. But I decided to let other people come in and share their perspective. And even though I opened up the calls to lesbians all around the world, I got a lot of lesbians living in the New York area who had a lot of things to say about the New York lesbian scene, which we'll hear about a bit more later. Anyway, I'm going to play some calls for you guys, but I wanted to remind you guys that these calls are available in their full entirety on my Patreon, patreon.com slash catblack. All of my members, whether they're $1 members, $5 members, $10 members, or $20 members, all get access to my full call-in shows and all of the archive of the previous call-in shows that we've done. For context, this call-in show lasted about two hours. I've been better about cutting people off um, with time. And this is obviously going to be a show that's under an hour. So there's a lot of content over there. Check it out if you're interested. But for now, let's get into these edited calls. Hello. I am also a lesbian living in New York. I just sort of wanted to discuss some of my experiences um, regarding, you know, my um, regarding what I've noticed when it comes to lesbians and trans lesbians in New York City. I would love to hear about this because I I barely spent time in New York and the trans lesbian takeover doesn't sound real, but who knows? So I'm, I'm curious to hear about your perspective. Yeah, so um, I I just turned 21 relatively recently. I haven't had a chance to go to any of the lesbian bars. But from what I've seen, um, just like, you know, being on a lot of, uh, or like it, with my dating experiences, there are, there's very much not a lesbian takeover, <laughs> um, I would say. Mm. Furthermore, I think that when it comes to like concerns that the lesbian community has, I think trans women are like at the very bottom of the list. And I think more of the top of the list is some of the things that you've discussed, like, um, like, you know, things like racism and biphobia within the um, lesbian community, things like um, a lot of just straight up cis straight men trying to, um, you know, enter into lesbian spaces. Like, I mean, I definitely can't scroll through like 10 people on any sort of dating app where I'm looking for only women without seeing like a straight guy holding a fish. So <laughs> they're always holding fish too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think also there's a lot of like, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm younger, so um, I have more experience with like, with like younger lesbians. And I think that most younger lesbians like seem to be at least like relatively accepting of trans women. But then you see a lot of like tacit acceptance of transphobia as well. Um, there's a lot of like, 
there's a lot of women who will just like who will go on and on in their profiles or whatever about Harry Potter without like even once like thinking about maybe how that could be concerning to some people, right? <laughs> um, and it's just or there's a lot of a lot of like lesbian women also or a lot of like women you know also I embody the sort of like white like Taylor Swift femininity where like they're sort of like moderate liberal they sort of are like oh you know I think trans women should like have rights but like uh I'm not gonna like stand up for them or anything you know um which I think is sort of really unfortunate especially because you know queer people really stand better together in all cases right like when it comes to like when it comes to um lesbian women or like trans lesbians being in lesbian spaces I think that a lot, like, there's not a lot of lesbian spaces out there. So, like, I would say that in general, the more the merrier, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if there are a lot of, like, trans lesbians in in New York lesbian bars, like, that's great because there's not a lot of them. You know, there used to be more back in the day. Um, And in comparison to, like, gay bars, it's really, really almost nothing. So if we can keep those afloat, like, I think it doesn't really matter, like, what the um what the assigned gender of birth of a person who is in those bars is as long as they're a lesbian or as long as they're interested in women even and then i think i mean and i think that like if trans women did um did contribute to why lesbian bars are closing down then that's more of a problem with the lesbian community than with trans women in general Mm. that is also I've, i've heard that reframing of it too it's like well if a bar closes down because it's it, it's been transphobic, that's not necessarily the trans person's fault per se. I've heard that that as well. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would not feel comfortable. I mean, as a cis lesbian, I would not feel comfortable going to a bar where trans women were not allowed because that just. I mean, because that tells me that that's just not a place for people who are different, and it's not a safe place for people who might have um, expressions of like gender and sexuality that are outside of what we typically consider when it comes to lesbians. Yeah. And, and I think gender identity and expression is very complex when we speak specifically about lesbians as well. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, so in my podcast, I said, because this is just me speaking as a person who goes to straight bars and isn't that invested in most of this. Um, I said that I don't really have a problem with um, if, 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 if lesbians got together and said we only wanted to have cis women in this, this lesbian bar, I personally have a hard time taking issue with that. Um, but but th- but that's mostly because I would see it as okay these people are just outright saying they they are transphobic and don't want trans folks around so to me it's not much of a loss. Um, you said that you wouldn't feel comfortable going to a bar a, a bar like that so I'm kind of curious how you you feel if a bar popped up like that in your um, you know your 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 space um, how would you feel about it because I part of me is like these bars are so infrequent and so uncommon that like why what what would taking an issue with like the one bar where transphobic lesbians meet each other? Like what would, what would that, I don't know. I, I good for them. That's how I would feel, but I'm, I'm kind of curious how you would feel if that was an actual reality. I mean, yeah, I would be really, I would be really saddened by a bar that didn't allow by a lesbian bar that didn't allow trans women or that, or even that like did allow them, but wasn't very, but wasn't a very open space for them. Um, and I would say that that's really not, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to like say that like certain things should be like against the law or whatever, but I think in a better world, we wouldn't have that sort of situation. And I think that that's not really a place that deserves to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, partially just because I think that like, I mean, you know, partially just because like, I think that goes against 
like some of the very fundamental ideas of queer liberation, right? It's yeah. just, it feels like an absolute betrayal to the lesbian community to be so, to be so uptight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, like when I have these conversations, I always try to think of how someone might've arrived to their position. And I think like, for me, at least I, I hear, I can almost, I can, I can almost map how someone would, arrive to the position where they're like, I just don't want to be around any trans woman. Partially because I understand that for a lot of lesbian women, um, they've been told all their life to be with somebody who has a penis. They've been pressured all their life to be with someone who has a penis. And I guess I can understand being like, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm even coming close to coming into, you know, a, a situation where that's an, a pressure that I would have to examine. Um, and I can, I personally understand why people would be like, no, I just don't want that. But um, I don't know. I guess it's like by making that, that argument you are, it is kind of, it is, you know, an argument against unification, I guess you, you should say. And I guess when I think of people trying so hard to make specific spaces for themselves, you know, it's not like I don't, it's not like I don't think lesbians have a reason to feel that way. Am I making any sense? Like, I get why, like, someone would be like, I, you know what, everything in the world tells me to do this. I just want to, I want to be in a situation where this is never going to be even close to a possibility. Um, but I don't know. This is, again, me speaking as a person who doesn't go to these bars. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I don't know how much time we have, but I totally, I mean, I do like understand that sort of concept. I know that like for a lot of like lesbian people um, or like, yeah, for a lot of lesbians, the lesbian identity is very anatomy based, right? Mm -hmm. Where like a lot of it is being interested in people with, or interested in women specifically with vaginas, right? Um, Because of the fact that it's, um, because of the fact that that sort of sexual practice has been considered taboo for so long, it has been considered to be something that like, there's no reason that anybody would want because of how women's sexuality has been oppressed. Right. Um, so I understand that. I definitely understand that. But at the same time, um, I mean, at the same time, it just it seems like that's something that like that's sort of like some sort of like that's internalized misogyny that like a lot of lesbians need to work on as opposed to like sort of projecting that out into like lesbian spaces. And it's the same thing with like gold star lesbians, too, where it's like, oh, I don't even want to come near like anybody who has touched a penis. And it's just like that seems so ridiculous to me. <laughs> Hello. I'm also a lesbian from New York City. You love that. Love that. <laughs> the New York City lesbian scene is popping, and um, I'm here for it. It is popping. So, so it's is it one of the places where people are, there's less and less bars? So, like things are closing down more and more. No. Or, or um, no? Interesting. We have, we have three thriving lesbian bars, and then like a very lesbian friendly bookstore slash cafe. Shout out to Blue Stockings. You're awesome. Um, not sponsored. Um, but anyway, um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. So um, I'm a cis lesbian and I had kind of a, I don't know if it was a relationship or a situationship. You know how it is. It's 2021. Things are weird. Mm-hmm. And she was a trans woman. We're still good friends. Um, and obviously I'm here for trans lesbians. And I think, first of all, if, uh, we didn't welcome trans women or bi women or pan women into lesbian bars. Then, you know, we wouldn't have enough people to keep those bars going. Like I know for a fact that a lot of the people at those bars are bi or pan. And I have absolutely no issue with that. Mm. Is there a trans takeover? No. 
is there a buy quote unquote takeover? I don't know, maybe, but you know, if they're into <laughs> women, fine by me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting hearing but, people talk about this because I, I, I you, there, there, the, this conversation that lesbians are some les some cis lesbians are having where they want to define lesbian spaces as like a very specific thing for only specific people. And I guess that's kind of like, it's, I guess at least when we're talking about bars, that's kind of like the antithesis of how a bar manages to stay alive. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's one thing to have a Facebook group or something or a subreddit. That's only for people who are strictly lesbians. Like I'm here for that, Mm -hmm. but something that is, um, you know, needing people to go there physically and pay money to keep it existing. You need to expand past just people who are strictly lesbians for that. That makes sense to me. (laughs) Yes. So, but one issue that I have been having is um, people who are completely either non-transitioned or not planning on transitioning or who are just cross-dressers going Mm. into lesbian spaces or men who are just pretending to be trans going into Mm. lesbian spaces. Like, I don't think that anybody is going to transition to creep on women. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that's real. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's all just old man yells at cloud kind of issue. Mm. But I've seen so many people on apps that are just like, you know, Josh with a fish. But, (laughs) you know, it'll say woman as gender or trans woman as gender. I'm like, no, Josh, you and your polo shirt don't count. <laughs> like, at least not for this space, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, all trans women need to transition to have their gender be valid. But, you know, I'm just asking people to read the room a little bit before going to a physical space or even a very vulnerable online space. Like, if you just started hormones two weeks ago, we have no way of knowing whether that's true or if you're just another Kevin with a fish, you know? Mm. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, it's so interesting. So I watched um, an Ariel Scarcella video yesterday on stream and, and she talked a lot about this and she, she showed a lot of like pictures of people who listed themselves as trans women on dating apps who are very clearly, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to sometimes tell what's what, but either they were very early on in their transition or they weren't transitioning or they were, were somebody just cross-dressing and using a woman's profile. Um, but you can never really, you don't really know because everyone that, that could look so different. And that was very obviously an issue on dating apps and you know like i said earlier in the show most of my lesbian friends tell me they literally cannot use a single dating app without running into a man um and that that annoys me because it shouldn't be that way and being a person who's been unicorn hunted many times i hate all of that um i'm curious is, is if is that an issue just online or is it also an issue in in-person physical spaces because that that's something that that, i guess from my perspective as a trans woman i can't imagine being very very early on in my my trans life and feeling comfortable asserting myself in a space just for women um like i would have a lot of hesitation around that but i'm also somebody who um 
I can also understand how you would see, some people might see a lesbian bar as a safe place for them to go when they're sorting out their gender early on. Um, but again, I'm, a spe- I'm speaking as a person who doesn't actually go to these places. So I'm curious if this is like something you observe within a physical space or, or, or is it just the online? Because I, I feel like going online and making a profile is so easy, but it takes so much gumption to like go to an actual bar. Um, so I don't know. So, um, I've definitely encountered it way more online than in person. In person, most of the people who are visibly or openly trans are, you know, transitioning Mm -hmm. and are open about having been in transition. Like there are people that I know personally, you know, Mm -hmm. so I haven't encountered that too much in person, but there have been times when you do see someone who is either very new on their journey or not transitioning at all medically or socially. And it's just, uh, I don't know if I feel comfortable with somebody who is um, just claiming, like the only thing that they have to show that, yeah, they really are a woman is take my word for it. Like, I'm not saying that we should have anybody at a door saying, oh yeah, uh, you're not woman enough to come in. Like, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying like, if you aren't doing anything at all to transition, how do we know that, you know, you're not just a Kevin with a fish? Mm-hmm. I think this conversation gets so complex because I, I have so many, my mind is never thinking in one way. Cause I obviously can understand that if you're a lesbian at a lesbian bar and you have experiences with men cross-dressing and very clearly showing their fetish for um, lesbian relationships off in a very um, obvious and clear way, um, how you could see somebody who is in the early stages of transition and and be uncomfortable. And I'm not going to reject that reaction because I think it's not necessarily one that is unheard of. I'm not saying that they need to be completely stealth or completely unclockable. That's not yeah. fair to anybody. Like, I understand the reaction. You're seeing somebody who looks masculine um in a way that you would you know look similar to a cis man and say and saying this person doesn't it probably isn't trans or 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 isn't transitioning and maybe shouldn't be here but also i don't know if that's always an accurate way of measuring and i think it's so i guess it's so complex i don't know i'm aware of the fact that transitioning is complex and hard and stressful and aggravating and sometimes what what i synthesize from people who express this in this way is that trans women should only be in this space if they've become feminine enough. <laughs> I guess I, there's, there's, a, there's an unfinished thought here in my mind about we're policing gender, the gender expression of trans women in the context of a group of people who, who tend to have a complex relationship with gender expression that doesn't always, you know, reflect femininity in the most standard of ways. Um, so I guess it's just like, I don't know. I, 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 I it, it feels like as, as some people in chat are saying that trans women are held to like a really high standard, <laughs> but I understand. Right. Why and I wouldn't... realize like both trans lesbians exist, masculine trans women exist, and that's completely different. Mm-hmm. There are trans women who are, you know, more visibly trans quote unquote. Mm-hmm. or who are very openly trans. Yeah. And that's completely different from somebody who has absolutely no intention to ever 
you know, socially transition full time. I think we're, 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 we're stuck at is like, how do we, how do we police that? And should we, do you know what I mean? I think that's where people are kind of stuck at because you can't always look at a person and know that they're not a person who intends on transitioning. Like a person could look very masculine, but be fully intentioned and like have just as much dysphoria as a person who, you know, has in, in so many ways transitioned to a, a, a more, um, has assimilated more into a very particular feminine look. But like these things don't always, you know what I mean? Like these things don't always relate, I guess. It's like, it's, it's, I think it becomes complex. And it's one of those like, are we saying that trans women need to transition before they go to a lesbian bar? Or like, what do we, what, I guess, I don't know. Cause again, I don't go to That's, lesbian bars, so I don't know. You know what? Yes, that is what I'm saying. That that is what I'm saying. Maybe mm. not a full transition. Like I don't. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be on hormones for ten years and have bottom surgery. Like no, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But you know, give me something. Give me anything. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm a trans lesbian, and respectfully, I'm going to call bullshit on the last caller. <laughs> okay. Um, I have never faced as much virulent transphobia and transmisogyny as I have seen within lesbian spaces. Um, I'm a passing trans woman um, who has been in lesbian spaces for a while now. The problem that the caller was talking about, honestly, I think it goes back to the thing with this article about, you know, New York, uh, trans takeover, or I, I'm from Portland. There's a very famous article in the Willamette Week, a local uh, liberal newspaper, about how <clears throat> when the Egypt Room, the last lesbian bar in Portland, closed about five years ago, how you know trans women were blamed for that closure, right? Mm. And the thing that I see in common with all of these discussions is that at the end of the day, people blame trans women as kind of like this boogeyman whenever there's an issue. When in reality, the reason, you know, lesbian spaces are closing is because of increasing economic inequality. The, the gender wage gap and, um, you know, increasing poverty in the United States has impacted lesbian and trans communities harder and faster than all other communities. Um, mm. The latest, National Transgender Survey uh, done in 2015 and the one that they're conducting right now shows that the poverty rates um, among trans women, it's it's greater than any other single um, sexual or gender minority group. Um, and, you know, what we're seeing with lesbian spaces is women, you know, who are trying to start businesses, face discrimination, aren't able to get loans or the client base in a city simply just doesn't have the economic fortitude to support businesses like that. Um, so first of all, that's, you know, I know that's being a little bit reductive and simplistic, but Occam's razor, that is why lesbian spaces are closing and why they've continued to close over the last 10, 15 years, as we've seen this increasingly destructive income inequality happen. Mm. Second of all, 
as these, you know, increasing marginalizations occur, people look for scapegoats. And of course, we're not calling out the real monsters here, the capitalist patriarchal system who continues to oppress cis women, trans women, lesbian, straight women alike, or the straight men who try to infiltrate our spaces, we of course go over, uh, you know, we go after the most vulnerable people among us, trans women, which is, I mean, it's just the, I, I get tired of having these conversations because I've had them so many times. Like if you're mad at cis men pretending to be women on dating apps, just say that, you know, I think another example that kind of exposes the transphobia of people who say the things like last caller did. What about non-binary lesbians who were designated female at birth? What about women with PCOS who grow facial hair? There are far more cis women with facial hair because of various hormonal issues than there are trans women, period, right? Like electrolysis uh, providers see far more cis clients than they do Trans guys, electrolysis for those who don't know, being, you know, hair removal, especially facial hair removal. Um, what about them? What about non-binary lesbians who've had top surgery or on hormones? Are they not allowed in lesbian spaces? And I suspect that the people who would be shouting about, you know, the 0.0001% of pre-transition lesbians in that space would be up in arms if you said, oh, well, this designated female at birth lesbian uh, who just had top surgery, you can't exclude them. That would be, you know, that would be discrimination. And I think when you actually look at things within the, the, the lens of how they actually are, all of these different arguments very quickly become straw men. And they're all saying the exact same thing, which is trans women aren't women. We feel uncomfortable around them because they have penises and we don't want them in our spaces. And I, I, it's just the reality that we face as trans women. Um, yeah. So that's me going off a little bit. <laughs> you, you I've had this conversation well. too many times, Kat. I've had it too many times and I'm angry. And I think a lot of people in the chat are saying the same things. Yeah. I mean, so I wanted to go back to the story in Portland that you, that you referenced, because I'm not familiar with this story. I know that they, from my understanding, you said that they blamed trans women but I'm very curious about like the context of that. Like, what were they blaming trans women for? Because I have a partner who lives in Portland, um, so I'm in Portland, um, you know, fairly often. Um, but I don't go to lesbian bars, obviously. So I'm just very curious, like, what the the issue was, because I'm curious if it was similar to what I pieced together might have been the issue in New York, where it wasn't so much that these trans women were taking over as much as people were being out, out outrightly um, tr- outwardly rather um, trans affirming. And that made people who are transphobic kind of uncomfortable. Um, I'm wondering if it was that or not, or like what the situation was. I think it's the latter cat and you can look this up. Um, the Willamette week article is called who crushed the lesbian bars, a minefield of identity politics. Uh Um, and you know, basically, and like I said, that was written around the time the Egypt room closed when, um, you know, that was the last lesbian bar in Portland. Mm. Um, you know, and it references another space within Portland, um, and called the escape room or escape bar, which is like the only lesbian bar left that like, they don't even put lesbian bar on any of their stuff. Um, 
which, you know, and, and they kind of use that to say, oh, well, you call yourself a lesbian par in Portland and all the trans women are going to get on your case and say, shut this place down because they're excluding trans women. Um, and that's, I think a lot of people have taken that article and they say that sort of thing when you have this conversation in Portland about we're such a haven for queer people. Why don't we have a lesbian bar in Portland? Like it, it seems extremely counterintuitive. It'd be like there being no lesbian bars in San Francisco. Right. Um, so yeah, I do think it's a ladder of what you're saying of people. Oh, you know, these, these trans women, they just want everything to be labeled properly. And, and because people aren't using their language, you know, they're shutting everything down. When in reality, no, Portland is one of the whitest cities. And what follows with that is an extremely discriminatory economic policy. Um, and so you see, you know, queer people moving here, but being extremely um, economically marginalized. And so that client base not being able to support, uh, you know, within Portland, a queer space at all, you know, no sapphic spaces exist in the city and there are barely even any like sapphic dance nights anymore. Um, and of course COVID has just exacerbated all of that, but that's not trans women's fault. Like, like to say that, you know, identity politics is destroying sapphic spaces. It's, I don't know. It, it almost just feels like, you're trying to, um, I don't know, do what everyone's trying to do to trans women, which is scapegoat us. Hello. Hello. I'm a trans lesbian and I live in New York City. And oh. I mean, COVID aside, I I do go out to two of the three lesbian bars in the city. Mm. I used so to actually live a couple this. blocks from one of them. Yes, I can. <laughs> Well, let's talk um, about so it. Is there a first, trans takeover of of, of Okay, so <laughs> I'm sure that everyone knows that there is no trans takeover. Um, I see a small handful of trans women in bars, and there could be more than I'm seeing. You never know, but uh, yeah, there's there's no takeover. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. I frequent two bars. I'll just go ahead and say the name of them. So there's Ginger's in Brooklyn, which is more of a neighborhood style lesbian bar, um, and it's bigger. And then there's Cubby Hole, which is a more hookup oriented lesbian bar, and it's much smaller. It is named Cubby Hole because it is about the size of a Cubby Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my experiences in those two bars are wildly different. Um, so, like I said, Cubby Hole is more of a hookup oriented bar and um i've always felt like welcomed there kind of but internally it's tough for me to be there um because i feel not quite in place in a hookup themed lesbian bar Mm. versus in gingers where i can just go there and play pool meet some people hang out there's there's just more of a hangout vibe i'm much more comfortable there Mm. Um, and I know that's something for me to work on, but that's well, definitely the case. Can I say that it's kind of low key blowing my? This is going to make me sound very straight, but um, okay. I didn't even know that there were like hookup lesbian bars. Like that's a thing. Like there's like hookup bars for lesbians. <laughs> kind of. It's not. It's not explicitly a hookup bar, but um, being in New York City, I'm fortunate to have three of them. One I don't go to. It's more like a. It, it seems like the vibe is more like go there and dance. 
The learning okay. go more go there and chat people up and hook up. And like I said, the third one's in Brooklyn and the other two are in Manhattan. The third one's Ginger's. Mm. It's one of the oldest lesbian clubs in the country and it's a great place. Mm. Um, the only overt transphobia I've experienced was in Ginger's, yet still I feel the most comfortable there, even though it was the only place that I had an issue with. Mm. What was the issue? Um, just, it's, um, and I don't mean to generalize, but Ginger's is more of an old school bar. Mm. Um, and it just seems like the older generation is a lot less accepting of trans women, bi women, ace women, non-binary individuals. Like it just, and again, I don't, I don't mean to generalize just because I had one bad experience, but that was my experience just talking with someone who said, you know, some things I don't want to repeat, but it was just kind of rough. Well, I mean, I don't want you to relive a harsh experience, but I'm very curious because, um, you know, obviously there's going to be a, a generational difference in the way that some people react to what they may see as the changing of the tides with, with trans folks. So I'm, I, I, I'm a, I'm a bit curious what the nature of the things, um, people said were and what, um, antagonism I suppose looked like, um, you know, for you as a trans person in this space, because I guess I'm trying to understand, are these spaces antagonistic to trans folks? Obviously, there's not one answer, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious more about your experience, if you feel comfortable speaking about it. Oh, yeah. I, I these, these spaces are not antagonistic. It's just that the one, um, you know, time that I've run into it was at, at the more old school bar with an older generation. It was just someone saying, like, um, pretty much that like bi women, and I know it's more part of the conversation, but bi women and trans women like aren't lesbians. And it was like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yes, bi women aren't lesbians, correct. But like, they wouldn't date a bi woman because, you know, they've been with men. And it was a, it was a whole lot of turfiness, it seemed. And it was just very gross to hear sitting across from a table of a group of people I've just met to just say this to me and mm. say it to the world. Mm. And, but did they say this to um, you knowing that you were a trans woman? Or did they just say that to you just like um, organically? <laughs> I have a phone case that says fuck turf on it and maybe ah. that was the onus of the conversation starting. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's a conversation that I was having the other day on, on, on Twitter about this and someone brought up like a really great point. Like, I personally feel... Like, if you're a lesbian who doesn't want to sleep with a trans woman or even a bi woman, I think that it's your right to be like, this is just something I'm not interested in and therefore will not do. Um, But that feeling doesn't necessarily need to extend to whom is allowed inside of a lesbian bar. At least, you know, that's 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 my thought, you know, because lesbian bars, I mean, listen, maybe I'm learning something new about these hookup bars, but um, are not necessarily (laughs) always about like, um, you know, you have to be in a room full of people who you would have sex with. Like most places yeah. aren't like that. I don't get to choose to be solely in a room full of Jason Momoa clones. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not necessarily how, how that works. So, uh, you know, I wonder about people using who they're attracted to as a, 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 a thing that defines who should be in the space, because I don't think that that's necessarily, 
what the situation is. But again, I'm not a lesbian, so maybe there's a reason to feel more protective around lesbian spaces um, than that I just don't necessarily personally understand all the time. I don't know. Some people treat people that they find attractive better than someone they don't find attractive. And when you're, when you're like, when your radar is so hyper-focused on looking for trans people to vilify, like in a lesbian bar, you, you see that and it just, that adds to it. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I think like what I don't love about this conversation is it treats people just sort of hanging out and doing normal shit as like a predatory behavior. Like there's nothing about, in my opinion, a trans woman existing in a lesbian bar that is inherently predatory. And, you know, part of, I think what like makes this conversation (laughs) frustrating for me too, is it really kind of feels like, and maybe I'm wrong about this. It really kind of feels like people are just very upset. Um, at like trans women who are attracted to women and date women. Like to me, that seems like what they are using as a measurement of who is and isn't predatory. Are you a trans woman who dates other women? Um, there's something not correct about that, which for me just feels like, oop, and of course my phone would fall, which for me feels like <laughs> a continuation of, you know, this narrative that the only way a trans person is actually trans is if they're attracted, a trans woman rather, is actually trans is is if they're attracted to to men. Um, Like, it just seems like trans women who date women are viewed at with a degree of suspicion that I don't think is necessarily reflective of reality. I don't know. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the True Tea Call-In Show. I hope that these calls were illuminating to you. I definitely learned a lot from them. And if you want to hear the entire calls in full context, you can check out my Patreon once again at patreon.com slash catblack. Anyway, I'll see you guys next time. And as per usual, I want you to always remember and to never forget that you are beautiful and you are loved. Bye. <laughs>